Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. It is good to have you with us. Hey, One Life Church, you're glad to be at church today. All right, can you share some love and show some love to our online podcast family and just let them know how much you love? Online podcast family, we love you. Come on, throw your hands together. Yeah, we know that many of you are listening to our online podcast right now, and we just want to say thank you for joining us along on the journey. We know you can't be here uh, physically, but you're here basically spiritually along with us and your family. We love you when you feel comfortable. We are here with open arms in a distant, loving way. <laughs> to have you with us. All right. Hey, guys, we're in a series called This Is That. But before I jump into it, I mentioned just a few minutes ago about our Kids Life worship experience. Put this on the screen, my friends. Our Kids Life services, you guys, are going to asterisk, 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 underline, circle, asterisk. Uh, We're going to do our best to resume resume those on Sunday, July the 12th, everybody. All the par- I thought I'd get a better shout and amen from the parents in the room. <laughs> I want you to know the reason we, I'm saying asterisk, asterisk is because, you know, we live in an ever-changing, uh, crazy environment in our world today, don't we? <laughs> um, so although we are making preparations to offer our in-person Kids Life Worship experience on that Sunday, I do want to let you know that that is subject to change based on the conditions of what is happening in uh, our city because we want to honor our governor, we want to honor our mayor honor the CDC guidelines because we believe that there is commanded blessing from God's word when we honor those who are in authority. And so as it stands, we are given permission to resume those on Sunday, July 12th. And I just want to say one thing. Our kids' life services, it's not babysitting, everybody. I want you to understand one thing. Our kids' life team, they're the most amazing team on the planet. They're back. Yeah, you can put your hands together. Those who are clapping, those who are rejoicing are the ones who are experiencing that in their kid's life. Um, what, what's happening, man, is that our kid's life team is actually speaking life in your kids. They're just calling out the world changer that they are. They're saying God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. And they're doing what they can not only to love your kids but to speak life in your kids and call out the greatness that is in your kids. And I want you to know that service is so important. So we don't offer that as a side of babysitting just to not have our kids in here. No, hey, kids in this room, you are important. You're created in the image of God. We love you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I cannot wait to see and to hear the great things that God's going to do through you in your life as you grow up and mature in your relationship with God and how you change the world. Come on, parents. Throw your hands together for our kids that are in the room today. Yeah, so we're really excited about that. And so, okay, listen, we're going to move and jump into the series this morning. I'm going to do my absolute best to try to land this plane right at an hour this morning. Do my best. So to do that, I want to jump into it. But listen, we are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It means we take notes. <laughs> uh, our notes you generally are in our connection, guide, our connection card or our worship guide, I should say. But we're doing those online right now. And so you could go to olc.church. Why don't you do it? Go ahead and pull out your smartphone right now, wherever you are, and pull out your smartphone or your dumb phone or whatever phone. Go to olc.church, olc.church, and then just scroll down just maybe just a little bit. You'll see a button that says message notes. 
If you'll click that button, it will open up a format that you can begin to take notes and fill in the blank. And here's the cool thing about that is at the end of it, you can actually email the notes to you. You can put it in a PDF, save it on your phone, save it in a document. You get the point. But that is there to help you so that throughout the week, you have something to lean on and to grow in God's word together. Okay, so this series, This Is That, is all about, I had one goal in mind, one goal in mind, and that was to try to help us understand some areas and some topics that are in the Bible that many of us may have misconceptions on, or many of us might have a lack of understanding. And because we've got a lack of understanding, we typically keep, we keep these things at an arm's distance. And let me just make this statement, my friends, you will always criticize the things that you don't understand. You'll always criticize, you'll always keep at an arm's distance the things that you don't understand. And unfortunately, many of us, even in the church, are rejecting things simply because we don't understand them. But if we came to the right understanding of them, we would actually go, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, if that's what that is, then I want that. And see, not only are we experiencing misunderstanding in our culture today, but this absolutely happened back when the Bible or the church was born. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 12 through 15, we see where the response of people in regards to what was happening in the church. Look at this. It says the crowd was both amazed and they were perplexed about what was happening. In other words, they were saying, you know what? Some of this thing called Christianity of faith and belief in God, it's pretty amazing, but at the same time, we're pretty perplexed about it. There's some things that we don't understand. And so they ask one another, many of us do this, we say, what? What does all this mean? And some, however, look at this, they made fun of them. They said, oh, they've just had too much to drink. They're drunk. But Peter stood up and did what I'm trying to do in this series and even today. With the 11, Peter raised his voice, he addressed the crowd, and he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people, they're not drunk as you think so. No, no, no. I know you think they're crazy. But they're not, he says. It's only nine in the morning. And then he says, no, this is that. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, a lot of us would read this and we really wouldn't understand what does it mean that this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. See, a Jewish person would have understood this because as a child, they would have grown up reading the prophecies of Joel. They absolutely were praying for what Joel was speaking about. And Peter saying, hey guys, you know what you've heard, of, heard about ever since you were a kid and you've grown up from the prophet Joel? Yeah, yeah like what's happening right now in the church? This is that. This is what you've been praying for. This is what you've been wanting. This is what you've been waiting on. However, I know it doesn't look like what you think it should look like, but this is that. So this series, I've tried to do my best to pick four hot topics in our Christian culture in the world today. And I've tried to do my best to try to bring some clarity around these topics in hopes to help you not only understand, but to get you to a place where my hope is that you won't only want to understand it, but that you'll want to experience these things in your life. And so week one, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And listen, a lot of us, we keep at an arm's reach this whole idea of the Holy Spirit. But if you truly understood who he is and the gentleman that he is, the teacher, the counselor, the friend. I say he's my best friend. If you came to an understanding of who the Holy Spirit was in your life, you truly would want him in your life. And I would encourage you, if, if there's a message in this series that I would encourage you to go back and listen to on our website at olc.church, it would be this message 
on the Holy Spirit. In week two, we talked about a topic called praise and worship, and we answered the question, why do we praise him? Why do we worship him the way we do here at One Life Church? And we showed the biblical perspective of that. Now, last week, delivered a message on healing, on healing. And we talked about how God heals. However, according to his word, he doesn't heal everyone all the time. And I know that's a a message that I try to do my best to explain from God's word and to bring some clarity around the misconception of healing. And I want to encourage you, if you're you're praying for a loved one, maybe they're dealing with cancer or a bad news or a bad report, I would encourage you maybe to go back and listen to that message. And I believe you'll find some comfort in how the power to change your life. But today, we're going to talk about a topic that I honestly believe, just even at the mention of the word, is going to bring some shivers up some of your spines and on your arm, okay? Uh... You ready for this? Here's the word we're going to talk about in the topic. Prosperity. Prosperity. If there's ever a topic or an idea that there's a lot of confusion around, especially in Christian churches, it's this idea or this topic of prosperity. And listen, I just want to be honest with you. I get it. I completely understand. It's because there's a teaching in our culture, and we call it the prosperity gospel teaching. I call it a hyper-prosperity gospel teaching. And it goes something like this. Oh, if you name it, you can claim it. If you blab it, you can grab it. Hey, come down front, give you $1,000. I know you rolled up in your Corolla, but when you walk out today, that puppy's going to be a BMW, right? It's this whole idea there's teaching that God's like this holy Santa Claus, that he's just going to give us what we want just because we asked him and we kind of demand it from him. And I'm saying God doesn't play like that, everybody. That's not scripture. That's not the truth. In my opinion, it's it's not God at all. I actually heard a story. uh, It was so funny. A pastor told his congregation, he said, Hey, church, if you'll give $1,000, you can choose three hymns. So this little old lady in the back of the church got in her purse, pulled out the $1,000, waved it coming down the aisle, came down the altar and said, Pastor, here's my $1,000. I choose him, I choose him, and I choose him. Come on, y'all. That's funny. (laughs) I don't know. I thought y'all could use a laugh right about now. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? So so what does God's word say about this word prosperity? What What is the truth? What is the balanced teaching when it comes to this? Well, first of all, I just need you to have a clear understanding of the word and what it really means in the Hebrew. The word doesn't mean money, by the way. It has nothing to do with physical well-being. It actually has everything to do with the condition of your soul. Let's look at this word. It says prosper. The Hebrew word is salach. Salach. I'm not going to ask you to say that because I don't want you spitting on somebody this morning, okay? We're social distancing. But what it literally means is to push forward. To push forward. In other words, God's saying there are some things in your life that you can absolutely, you can obtain it on your own, but there are other things in your, in your life that you will not be able to obtain with a lot, a lot, without a little push from behind to put you in a place that you could have never been without my help. And listen, my friends, I've experienced this in my own life many, many times. You're actually looking at one of them right now. I'm standing on this platform today, not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, not because I'm that smart or that good looking. Come on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't shout me down. No, no, no. I'm standing on this platform today, experiencing the miracle that is One Life Church that was planted in 2018, and we're seeing God move like he is. Not because of who I am, but because he's pushing 
us forward. He's pushing me forward. He's putting me in a place and us in a place as a church that we can never be on our own apart from him. And I want you to understand that if you'll let God, he'll push you forward. He'll prosper your marriage. He'll prosper your relationships. He'll prosper your finances. He will prosper your health. He will prosper your life in every area if you'll let him. And he'll put you in places that you could have never been there on your own without him. He'll prosper you. And God is not shy when it comes to this word. I get why we are. I understand it. But I need you to understand today that God's word is very clear around this idea of prosper. Look at this in Genesis 26, chapter 12, verse 13. It says, Then Isaac, he sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year something God could have only done. It was a miracle. He reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because, look at this, the Lord blessed him. Now, as Christians, those maybe who are Christians in here today, we're a little bit more comfortable with the word blessed, aren't we? Oh, I'm a little bit, oh, yes, God bless me. Prosper, not so much, but blessed, yes and amen. We'll look at the rest of the verse. It says, the man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Y'all, I don't know if you see humor in the Bible like I do, but I think that's hilarious. God says in one sentence, three times, the word prosper. He's all about it. And I understand, again, why we're not. But the Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 10, he says, when the righteous prosper, that's you and I, through the blood and grace of Jesus Christ, the city rejoices. What's that saying? It's saying, hey, guys, when the right people, listen to me, when the right people have the right things, other people can benefit from it. So it's important to God. You need to understand this. It's important to God. That's why Proverbs 11.25 tells us, a generous person will prosper. Why? Because God set a law in place that if you, you'll reap what you sow. It's a law. God blesses those who are a blessing. Whoever refreshes others will also be refreshed, it says. So, Red, okay, Red, okay, I get you. You're just hanging out in the Old Testament, you know. We're not under the law, you know. Well, okay, if that's you today, look, look, at, the, uh, look at the New Testament. John chap- or 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Jesus himself. Beloved, I pray that you may, uh-oh, here's the word again. Jesus said it. That you may, what? Prosper in all things. And I just want to clarify one thing right now. When you hear the word prosper, and if all you're hearing or all you're seeing in your mind is a visual of dollar signs, my friend, you are missing the point. It's not just about finances. It's about every area of your life. It's about your physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual health. How do I know this? Look at the rest of the verse. He says that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So if that's the word, then here's the question. Then what is the balanced biblical teaching on this word around prosperity? Well, I believe this is the most clearly defined way that I could define it. I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf, y'all. I'm trying to make it simple for you, okay? And that is, look at this. Biblical prosperity simply means having more than you need. Why? So you can make an eternal difference in the lives of of others. I want to time out just for a moment and I want to remind all of us that life on earth is short. 
The Bible teaches us that we are but a mist. We're given a generation. We're given just a short time frame to live out our life. Honestly, for what I believe are two things. First is we live our life to find relationship with God. And once we come to understand that we can come into a relationship with a God who created us in his image, and we come into that relationship not based on anything that we could do, by simply receiving what has already been done through a free gift, and that gift is Jesus. And once that begins to change us, it revolutionizes everything in our heart and our life and our family. That's reason number one why we're given this time on earth. You ready for reason number two? It's so that once we come into a relationship with God, then we can turn around and leverage our life Leverage what God's doing in our hearts to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. To make a difference in the lives of other people. And by the way, this is why we exist as a church. We want to help you know God, not religion. We want to help you come into relationship with God. We want to help you find freedom. We want to help you settle your yesterday so you can see the future that God has for you and find freedom. We want to see you discover your purpose and come to understand your design and your destiny that God has for you. And we want to see you make a difference in our community, in your life, in your family. And so here's the question. If God wants to prosper us, if God wants to bless us, then here's the question. Is the why, here's my question, honestly. It's like, why does God bless us? I need to answer that first. Why does he bless us? Here's reason number one. He blesses us to be a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing. Listen, God doesn't bless you to go, hey, man, look at my car. Oh, my goodness, you ought to see my house. Oh, man, you better check out my boat. It's awesome. Oh, come on over here and check out my hot tub. Like, come on, man. Come on, look at my clothes. Don't I look good? Like, look at my bank account. Don't you see how I roll? No, God doesn't bless you for that. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing to other people. God blesses you so you can make a difference, an eternal difference, in the lives of other people. In other words, it's not about you. It's all about others. God's blessing is all about others. And this is so important for you to understand. Not only Jesus, not only did Jesus come to save us, not only did Jesus come to heal us, but did you know what? Jesus came to redeem us. Look at what it says in Galatians 3:14. Jesus also redeemed us. Why? In order that the blessing that was given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. What's a Gentile? Anyone who's not a Jew. Do you know what that means? That means God wants to bless you the same way that he blessed Abraham. Then that begs the question that Pastor read. What's the blessing of Abraham? You ready for this? Look at this. When God blessed Abraham, Genesis 12, 2, he said, Abraham, I will bless you. And he goes down a laundry list of blessings, but then he gets to the main point of the blessing. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but it's going to come with tremendous responsibility. And that is so that you will be a blessing to other people. You cannot give what you do not have. I know that's not, I mean, that's deep, right? (laughs) We can't feed the hungry. We can't clothe the poor. We can't take care of widows. We can't plant life-giving churches much like this if we don't have. We can't give what we don't have, so therefore God wants us to have, you guys, Not for us, but it's for others. And that's why my prayer is, God, will you please bless me with more than I need so that I can be a blessing to other people? That's the reason for blessing, everybody. He wants to bless us so we can bless others. I'm just simply trying to teach you a balanced truth 
when it comes to what God's word says about this confusing idea of prosperity. It's not about us. It's all about others. Here's point number two, and that is when we bless others, God takes care of our needs. When you and I bless other people, God takes care of us. Look at this, Luke 18, 29 through 30. Jesus himself said, hey, you know what? I guarantee this. Hey, if Jesus says he guarantees it, let me, you can, I'm telling you, man, this is amazing. Anyone who gives up anything for the kingdom of God. And some of you are like, well, time out, Rhett. See, that's my problem. I don't have anything. Jesus said previously in the verse before this, he said, hey, if you even gave a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, I would bless you for it. Do you have a cup of cold water, everybody? We all have something we can give. And Jesus is simply saying, hey, my friends, if you'll give up anything for God's kingdom, you will certainly receive, look at this, many times more in this life, but more importantly, you will receive eternal life in the next world to come. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is simply saying, my friends, if you will be a funnel instead of a vault, if you just won't store up for yourselves, but you'll let what God brings you come through you and go to other people and you'll send it out, God said, I'm not only just going to bless you in this life, I'm going to bless you in the life to come. This is huge. Man, you guys, this is good news, everybody. This is good news. Here's number three. This is huge. Don't miss this one, okay? Massive. The more God blesses us, the more he expects us to bless others. I'm telling you, don't miss this. There is a huge, there is a great responsibility that you and I have when it comes to the blessings that God has given us. The Bible says in Luke 12, 48, much is required from those to whom much is given for their responsibility is greater. Can we just take a moment and pause and just recognize the fact that you and I live in the greatest nation on the planet, everybody? Listen, I know we got our issues right now. I know we're broken, okay? But despite all the things that are happening, we still live in the greatest nation on the planet. Can I get a good amen as we get into Fourth of July weekend? Yeah. Not only do we get to live in the greatest nation on the planet, we get to live in the greatest state on the planet, Idaho, baby. Come on, somebody, right? And I know every pastor says this, but it's just the honest truth, okay? They say it about their church, but I, I generally mean it about us, and, and I believe they're wrong. We're right, okay? And that is, we get to attend the greatest church on the planet with the greatest people on the planet, everybody. Amen? <laughs> Listen, if you're our guest today, man, I, I, I got 10 pastors in this valley on speed dial right now that I do life with and community with. I love the, We are a capital C local church, okay? But I love you in life. We are blessed. We are blessed. Listen, if you've got running water, anybody take a shower this morning? I hope so. If you didn't, when well, we're sitting six feet away from you. You got air conditioner? Do you show up in a car? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have electricity at home? Guess what? You're blessed. Did you know that if you have a combined household income and you make combined between forty dollars and $45,000 a year as combined income, that you are considered among the top 1% of the wage earners in the entire world? You see, I didn't expect that kind of, I, I didn't expect to go, woo, I'm glad I came to church today. Pastor said, I'm rich, baby. No, like nobody did that. Nobody did that, right? Why? Because we don't feel that way. And that's the problem. We don't feel, we don't feel blessed. We don't feel like we're rich. But the reality is, you guys, you and I, my friends, we're rich. We're better off than most. And I want you to understand something. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty today. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Guilt is an unhealthy emotion. 
God doesn't want us guilty. God wants us responsible. Put that up on the screen, my friend. I want everybody to see this. God doesn't want us guilty. He wants us responsible. And I'm just here to remind us today that we are blessed. Come on, church is more fun when there's participation. Everybody say, I am blessed. blessed. Say it again. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. I may not feel that way, but the truth is, my friends, you are blessed. So here's the question that we should be asking. If we are blessed, and we are, then Lord, what should we do? God, what does your word tell us that we should do as those who are blessed? I'm going to give you three things that I believe that we should do according to God's word in response to God's blessing in our life, and then we'll close. And by the way, I just want you to understand that One Life Church, you are the most generous church on the planet. I don't, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. I'm not bringing this word to us to try to get us to do something. No, you're already doing this. I just simply want to remind you to, keen, to continue and to keep doing what God is already doing in and through you. Okay? And that is, number one, here's, I believe, what we should continue to do, and that's just simply put God first. We should simply put God first. Listen, there's a principle found all throughout God's word. It's called the principle of the first. Do you know what it means? It means whatever you put first has the power to bless the rest. And so what does that look like in your life? It simply looks like when you wake up in the morning before you turn on your iPhone and you start checking Facebook and social media, that you simply say, God, I love you. Thank you for this day. My mind's on you. And you know what that does to God? God's like, whoo, that's my son. That's my daughter. It gets God's attention. God likes it. And so I'm saying if you'll put God first in your family, if you'll get put God first in your marriage, if you'll put God first in your finances, if you'll put God first in that meeting that you're walking into, if you'll put God first in that purchase that, th- that you're thinking about making, I'm telling you, whatever you put first, when you put him first, he smiles upon it. He likes it. He said, oh, my goodness. Look at that. Man, they're coming to me first. That's awesome. It has the power. It does something miraculous. I can't explain it unless you do it. You'll experience it. It does something miraculous that it changes your life. It's not only true spiritually, But I would not be doing my job as a pastor if I also didn't let you know that it is true financially. It really is. I have a responsibility before God. One day I'll stand before God, and he's going to ask me, Rhett, what did you do? How did you teach the scriptures? Did you teach the whole truth? And and I want to say, yes, I did. And if you've been attending our church from some time, you know that we don't typically talk about this kind of topic. So it is kind of hard for me to talk about it because I understand three reasons people don't come to church. Number one, people are mean. Number two, services are boring. And number three, people don't want to come to church because all they want is my what? So I just need you to understand the heart in which I deliver this message. I'm not asking for any of that. That's not what this message is all about. This this message is all about understanding when God blesses us through responsibility according to God's word that we have in order to continue to live a blessed life. And I want to show you what he says regarding finances out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. He says, listen, my friends, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then notice this, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What is God saying? God's saying, listen, my friends, if you'll rearrange your life and you'll put me first, even in your finances, I will bless you. It's God's word, everybody. I didn't say this. And whether you give here, it doesn't matter. Like, you need to be giving somewhere. It doesn't have to be at one life. There are a lot of great churches in this valley. I just want you to experience the byproduct of this blessing in your life. I want you to see it alive in your life. And God's word says, hey, my friends, you will con- you'll receive a blessing. 
And again, I cannot state this enough. If all you see are dollar signs as a sign of blessing, you're missing it. God's not saying, hey, if you give $100, you're going to roll up that new boat at the lake. No, it's not, that's not what this is. That's the hyper-prosperity gospel. That's not in Scripture. This is not what this is talking about. God's simply saying, if you'll give, I'll continue to supply and to provide for your needs. I want to make a statement. If there's one thing that you need to hear is this. God meets your needs. He doesn't meet your wants all the time. God meets your needs, but he doesn't meet all your needs or all your wants, excuse me, all the time. There is a difference between what we need and what we want, isn't there? Like what we need are clothes, but what we want, ladies, is that new handbag, you know, that designer purse. Fellas, what we want are those, you know, new Nike Air Jordan shoes, right? What we need is rest, but what we want is that all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean. Come on, somebody, vacation, right? What we need is shelter, but what we want is that urban farmhouse created and built by Joanna and Chip Gaines, right? That's what we want. What we need is relationships. What we need is provision. What we need is favor. What we need is protection. That's what we need. So I just need you to understand, God doesn't always provide your dreams, but he will always provide his will and his plan for your life. This is important to understand. How does that happen? It happens when you put him first. Here's number two, and I believe we should do in response to being blessed in our lives, and that is, and again, you're already doing this. It's just a great reminder. Let us continue to give generously. Let us continue to give generously. And by the way, the word generous has nothing to do with an amount, by the way, but it has everything to do with a heart has everything to do with a heart that says, man, I cannot wait to give. It's not just finances. It's like, I can't wait to give up my time. I can't wait to give up my creativity. I can't wait to give up my gift to bless somebody. I can't wait to give up my passions and my interests. I can't wait to give. Oh, man. And Jesus said, look at the promise. There's a promise attached to it. Look at this. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Now watch this. For the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. God's not looking at the amount. God's looking at the heart. Did you hear me? God's not looking at an amount. God's looking at a heart. He loves a cheerful giver. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 8, everyone must decide in our own heart how much to give. But notice this. Don't give reluctantly, like sadly or Don't give because a pastor's on the platform saying, you better give. No, no, no. Don't give in response to pressure. No, look at what God loves. God loves a person who says, you know what, God, I'm just going to be generous. I'm going to ask you what you would have me to give with my whole life, not just my finances, but with everything. And whatever you put on my heart, God, I want to give in that area. And look at what happens. And God will generously provide all your need. Here's the promise. You'll always have everything that you want. No, need. And you'll have plenty left over of what you need to share with others. What is that saying? I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. I'm going to bless you so that you can make a difference in other people's lives. That's what he's saying. So we're going to continue to put him first. We're going to continue to give generously. And here's number three, and we'll close with this. But I want to give you the verse first before the point. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Teach those who are rich in this world 
Pastor, I'm not rich. Well, we already covered the fact that if I have air conditioning, clothes, water, car, shelter, the basic needs, God's rich. So Paul's telling this young pastor, Timothy, tell the church, tell One Life Church, those who are blessed, how about that? You like that word better? In this world, not to be proud, not to trust in our money, which is so unreliable. However, here is the point. It says their trust should be in God. Go to the next screen, please. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I want you to notice the connection between putting your trust in God and Him richly providing. There's a connection there. Well, Pastorette, what does that mean? It simply means that God likes it when you and I, my friend, are out of place where we say, God, I need you. (laughs) God, I I can't do this without you. I'm going to put you first in every area because I need you so desperately. So that's why I want to say number three, let us continue to trust God. Let us continue to trust God. Not on myself. Not on my bank account. Not on my stuff. No. Let us continue to trust in God. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all over the room? No one looking around. Be here just for another five minutes, and then we'll close. Some of you are here today, and you're like, man, you know what? I, I would love, I'd love to receive God's blessing in my life, and, but I'm not even sure I have a relationship with God. I mean, like, I, I feel far from God. I feel hurting. I feel guilt. I feel shame. I feel, I feel this separation. And I want you to understand that God sent Jesus to bridge the gap between you and him. Jesus Christ himself came to pay the penalty for that guilt, that shame. You don't have to feel that way, my friend. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it's not for you to feel guilty. It's not for you to feel shame, but it's so that you can experience love. It's so that you can experience life. And it only comes through one person, and his name is Jesus. And if you're here today, you're not sure, man, that you have a relationship with God, can I encourage you and just tell you like, that today's the day. Now is the time to come into a relationship with God and experience life on earth, but not only that, eternity in heaven, life after death. Because there's more to this life than just this life. And so if that's you today, whoever you are all across the room, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But if you're here today and you say, Red, I want to put my trust in God, if that's you, would you simply raise your hand so I know who you are? God bless you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. God bless you. God bless you, man. You just made the greatest decision of your life, my friend. Hey, guys, this is a holy moment. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to encourage you to say a simple prayer like this. It's just about a heart that connects with God. Simply say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Come live inside of me. I declare you as my Lord, my Savior. I put my faith and my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hey, can you put your hands together, One Life Church, and celebrate the lives that were changed this morning? Amen.